Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Abide in Liberty. I'm so glad you're here with me today. I've had kind of a jumble of thoughts going through my head, and I'm I'm hoping that I can kind of bring them together in a way that makes sense here. You know, I I keep going back. I think I mentioned this very briefly, but I heard a report that there's an organization that rates the strength of banks, and they've been able over the past, I don't know how many years, quite a long time, been able to predict like 99% of all bank failures. That company, I believe it's the Weiss Group, um, if memory serves, has something like over a thousand banks listed in the at risk, critically at risk category. So these are banks that are, you know, in a position similar to some of these other banks that have uh, failed recently, where just the smallest little thing could push them over the edge. Now, that's a huge deal when I believe they represent about a fourth or a fifth of all banks in the United States. So if a fourth of the banks go under, then the rest of them or many of them will soon follow. So did I verify this report myself? No. Would it surprise me though? Not really. Um, You know, we've had years and years of politicians using bad policies to try to band-aid over the consequences of prior bad policies. Things are extremely fragile economically. There's absolutely no question of that. And all of our solutions, quote unquote, seem to just make things worse. And on top of all of that, we are living in a world where evil is everywhere. Now, and when I talk about evil, I don't just mean bad people or people who do bad things. And I don't mean that, uh, you know, someone who just doesn't agree with my opinion is evil. Um, That's a little bit of a trite way to use that word. There really is no other way to explain the craziness that we're seeing in this world other than calling it evil. When we have widespread acceptance of immoral behavior, we have good being called evil everywhere, including this great country, including Christianity itself. When we think that we can somehow play God by thinking that we can change someone's gender without massive consequences and result that drag queen strip shows for children are becoming the norm, that these are still happening and we have not risen up uh, against that evil, that pedophilia is now being normalized. We don't call it pedophilia anymore. We call them minor attracted individuals as if putting a label like that makes it any less detestable, perverse, and sick. If anything, The fact that they're trying to put this nice little label on it makes it worse because they know how bad it is. And they're trying to move forward with normalizing it and making it okay anyways. There are wars and rumors of wars everywhere. The privileged few can literally commit murder while those who seek to defend themselves are villainized. Now, none of these things that I've talked about are logical. None of these things are the result of careful study and deliberation. You know, the fact that that the perfect example of this is the fact that we seem as a culture to be 
actually entertaining the idea that boys can become girls and that girls can become boys, none of this makes logical sense. And there really is no other good way to explain that except to to talk about the demonic forces that are at work. That's not hyperbole. That's not a euphemism for something else. That is what is happening. Now, that can be a very frightening thing. And there certainly are very negative consequences as a result of the courage and the bravado that these demonic forces seem to think they can express that they don't have to hide anymore. They don't have to hint at it. It's out in the open. But at the same time, this could be a very good thing for those who are looking for the truth or who have spent a lot of time just sitting on the fence. There are many atheists who are looking at all of this and just like I did, coming to the conclusion that there's something else going on here. This isn't just a trend or a fad. This isn't science, you know, telling us some things that we're going to find out later are inaccurate. None of this is logical. And they're coming to the same conclusion that really the only way to describe this is evil. And so if evil exists, then all of a sudden we start, these atheists start to wonder if God could be real too. And as people look at this evil and feel how bad it is, they're backing away from it. Well, the question then is, what are they backing towards? When you move away from evil, you are coming closer to God. Before, it was easy for these folks to um, play neutral or feign ignorance, but that option is being taken away from them. They have to pick a side. We have to pick a side now. And many fence sitters are going to find their way to God as a result of how prevalent and emboldened evil has become. Now, if we look at history to try and uh, give us an idea of what we can expect as this trend continues, in the past, when evil rises, one of two things happens. Either the people embrace that evil and society decays, or the good push back against it. And despite incredible sacrifice, they break into something far greater. That last option is the promise that we've been given for the latter days, for the days preceding Christ's coming. We can look at what we're facing today and have hope for Christ's return. And that hope is not just a passive thing. It requires action. The founding fathers had a similar moment and they broke through the evil and the oppression They had hope for a better future when they were fighting against this, what seemed to be an overwhelming oppressive force. And they helped usher in one of the greatest eras of human prosperity since the dawn of time with God's help. This is our founding moment, and we can push through and help usher in with God's help the millennial reign of Christ or we can continue to sit on the sidelines and be left behind. Yes, we can expect hard things to come. Armageddon is not going to be a joyride. Yes, it's going to require sacrifice. Yes, there will be extreme hardship before Christ returns. There will be plagues. The moon will be turned to blood. The sun will be darkened. The stars from heaven will fall. Good people will die. But then again, that has been true in every age. So why would that be different today? What I do know, and I don't know if I make it, I don't know if you make it, 
What I do know is that we collectively come out on top with Christ. This time, we're not going to spiral into destruction and apostasy. So when we see this separation happen, the wheat separating from the tares, good and evil being more obvious and more opposed and opposite one from another, this should be encouraging and exciting while at the same time we mourn for those who choose a more painful path. Now, in order to be able to look forward with excitement and joyful anticipation for the miracles and these hard times that we're going, that we are privileged to be able to live through, we have to make sure that we are following God's commandments and that we are in lockstep with God's spirit. We have to, number one, Well, I guess not number one, but this is the first one I'm going to talk about. We have to follow principles of self-reliance. We must, like the Bible says, avoid debt like the plague. We must save for a rainy day. We have to spend less than we earn. We have to store food, water, and medicine. We have to learn how to grow a garden. We need to learn how to use our stored food. And we need to take all of these steps a bit at a time. It's not meat that we should run faster than we have strength. We shouldn't go into debt to go get a ton of food storage. But more important than all of that, yes, those things have to be there, but even more important is we have to be in tune with God's spirit. We have to keep the commandments and we have to live worthy of the constant guidance that we are going to desperately need from the master and creator of this universe. And then we have to follow whatever he tells us to do with the resources that we've been given. And these resources include time. They include money. They include property. And I'm not just talking about land. They include everything that we've been given. And when I say everything, I mean all resources. I've had conversations with folks or have heard folks who have said, look, I know I need to prepare and I'll I'll do what I can but just not my 401k. Now, I'm not espousing that everyone should go clear out their 401k. I don't know if that's the right thing for you to do. But what I do know is that at some point when the Armageddon times come, it's going to be nuts. And it's going to be a miracle for those who are going to survive that ordeal. And I do believe in miracles, and I believe there will be many of them, especially for the righteous. But it will be a miracle. I don't know, and I don't think that your 401k and the S&P 500 are still going to be around to support you through a millennial retirement. Somehow I doubt that with the moon and the sun and the stars being cast from heaven and the earth reeling to and fro as a drunken man, that somehow your little puny 401k is going to remain unshaken. That it's somehow going to be the one star left in the sky. It's not going to happen. So at some point, it may make sense for you to clear out that 401k in order to make sure that your prepared. Now, that being said, on the flip side, I remember hearing a talk by Boyd K. Packer, um, a very inspired man who also said, look, you can't, you can't always live life assuming that the end of the world is happening tomorrow. 
we still need to prepare for the future because we still may well have a future. And it's a good thing too, because you know, the apostles shortly after Christ was crucified and resurrected thought that the second coming was going to happen in their lifetimes. Well, they were off by at least a couple thousand years. And, you know, I can imagine myself watching the events of World War II unfold and thinking, guys, this has got to be Armageddon. This is it. Well, if, you know, if anyone had that thought, they were at least 80 years off on their estimate. So, we can't just assume logically that we know and that we know best and that now is the time we got to clear everything out, get rid of our 401k because it's very possible that things could fall apart in the next five years in a big way. And it's time to clear out that 401k. It's time to take every resource that we have in order to be prepared. But at the same time, we could still have a hundred years left. We could come back, rally together, push back the darkness and buy ourselves some more time. That's a possibility. So we have to be very careful in how we do that. But what I'm the what I'm trying to get at here is we cannot when we go to God and ask him what he wants us to do with the resources that we've been given and how we can be prepared for whatever it is that's coming, we cannot hold anything in reserve. We can't say, look, tell me what I can do over here, but don't touch my 401k it's precious to me. Or don't touch my savings account. Or I will sacrifice, but I'm not willing to give up my vacation fund. Everything has to be on the table. If your 401k account is what gives you comfort, if it's your savings account, are you trusting in gold and man's arm or in God's arm? I believe that this is going to be one of the key factors that differentiates those who find joy between now and when Christ returns and those who won't. So in an Armageddon type situation, let's pretend like we're facing that here in the near future. What are the things that will have value? I listen to several talk radio shows and there's lots of advertisements about, you know, investing in gold, taking some of your retirement or taking some of your savings and transferring into gold. That may be a great idea. I don't know. Um, That would be something to ask Heavenly Father about. But I do wonder in true end days Armageddon times, Is gold going to be more valuable or will things like food be more valuable? When it's hard to get food elsewhere, will those who are rich be those who have enough for themselves and maybe a little bit to share? I want to share a little bit of our story and I'm not going to, maybe I'll go into more depth on this another day. And I'm not saying that this is what you need to do, but we're in the middle of, uh, for our school location, here just south of Tucson, we're, we've purchased 20 acres for the school and, and are in the process of building that out. We also purchased and felt led to purchase an adjacent 10 acres and develop that as kind of a small homestead for my wife, myself, and our kids. Um, and I can tell you what God's been telling us to do. It's been to do things like plant gardens, um, to plant more fruit trees than we need for ourselves, to make sure that we Um, have chickens and that we're producing more eggs than what we need and possibly even more meat than what we need ourselves. In fact, we just, (laughs) I don't know if I should share this, but we just this morning had our first experience butchering our own chickens. Never done anything like that before. It was quite the experience to be sure. Um, But these are the types of things that we're being prompted and led to do. And this may not be the answer for everybody. 
um, when you think about what the bare necessities and essentials are, it comes down to food, clothing, and shelter. And then if we were to add a fourth, power and fuel of some kind uh, in order to make those things happen. Those things are necessary for everyone. We're feeling led to focus on food. But what about clothing? You know, for us, we're fortunate that we're here very shortly going to be on a well. And so water is not going to be an issue, which makes food production in the desert um, more efficient for us and more cost-effective for us to do than maybe for somebody else. So maybe that's why what God wants us to use the resources he's blessed us with here for. But we can't do everything ourselves. So think through your skill set and prayerfully consider how to use those skills and talents that you have and find out what new skills God wants you to develop so that you can provide those things for yourselves and have a surplus to share and maybe barter with others. When those end times come, I think and believe very strongly that we'll find that many others around us have been doing the same thing. And I think we're going to be surprised at how their skills and their surplus complement our own. But even better than that, how much better would it be if we were to be proactive, to talk to our friends and neighbors and figure out who's going to do what? And don't be afraid to open your mouth if you feel prompted to do so. If when those true end times come, you will not be the only person receiving those impressions and receiving those promptings. Now, I'm not pretending to know that we're actually approaching those end times. I wouldn't be surprised if we are, but I also wouldn't be shocked if, like in prior times in our country's history, we do manage to push back the darkness and buy ourselves some more time. Maybe with what we're being prompted to do, we're not ever going to have to supply ourselves or feed those around us, but maybe there are some other good things that we're going to learn from this. Maybe um, there are good bonding moments we're going to have as a family. I don't know. All I know is we're being told to do it, and so we will. Now, what does all of this have to do with abiding in liberty? What does this have to do with freedom? Well, freedom and poverty do not mix. Hyperinflation and liberty are fundamentally at odds with one another. People will, and time and time again, have sacrificed freedom in order to fill a starving belly. Freedom and self-reliance are inextricably linked. You cannot have freedom without a people who are able to support themselves, provide for themselves, and help those around them. This is true both individually and as a nation. And our reliance on outside forces for medicine, food, and oil has limited our country's options in the past. And it's limiting those options now. Not being able to provide for yourself and your family is not freedom. It's slavery. So please, I beg you to put everything on the line for God. Don't hold anything back, not even that precious 401k. Maybe you won't have to liquidate it. I think probably for most of us, we're not supposed to do that. But don't keep anything back as too sacred for God to touch because there is no such thing. Find out what he wants you to do with every dollar that you have, with every minute of time that you have, and with every bit of property that you've been blessed with. And then go make it happen. I personally am so excited to see the amazing things that he works through you and me, 
before that glorious day when we get to meet him at his coming. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at AbideInLiberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting LibertyYouthAcademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.